Fill that seat. Fill that seat. Fill that seat. Well, if you've been watching TV lately, you've seen some of the Trump rallies when that chant that you just heard breaks out. Fill that seat. Fill that seat. And of course, they're talking about the empty seat that was left when Ruth Bader Ginsburg died here recently. Now, I'm assuming that some have mourned, although almost immediately, if not sooner, the Democrats, if nobody else, started making a political tirade out of what has just recently happened. So I'm going to talk about it for a minute. So I'll just start right here. Did you know AOC said on her uh, video to her followers, let this moment radicalize you. You can almost see the saliva dip, uh, dripping off the fangs of the enemy, of the devil. And uh, what really has got me going here is I was riding down the road the other day. I could tell you where and I could tell you which church, but I won't. I looked at a church sign, which I do often. That's why they're there, right? To see what's on the sign. And sometimes it's a corny saying that is supposed to have some kind of spiritual implication. But some churches don't stop there. They put political statements on their sign. And I should have known that this particular church would have such as this on their sign because I saw a political statement on their sign just prior to this. And, you know, I'm getting a little sick of these churches that are trying to be woke. Uh, they're trying to fit in with the culture. I don't even know what Bible they read. They claim to read the Bible, but they're very loose with their interpretation. The Bible calls it resting the scriptures to their own destruction. Anyway, back to the sign. The sign was a quote by Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and I knew that because at the end of the quote, it said R-B-G. So I, I knew that it was a, a quote by Ruth Bader Ginsburg. So I came back and I looked up some of the quotes of Ruth, Justice Ginsburg, and uh, among those was the one that was on the sign. It was about change. Real change, enduring change, happens one step at a time. Kind of has an ominous ring to it. Um, but I suppose it's profound and has some truth in it we could consider. But what is her actual paradigm that she's conveying to those that are listening? Other than a basic principle. Real change, enduring change happens one step at a time, RBG. Okay, I'm not going to stop and chew on this particular quote and try to get all the different possible meanings out of it. I, I really don't think that that matters as much as who said it, RBG. Why would you put that on your church sign? when the Christian church is supposed to believe in life for babies, for preborn babies. 
In other words, we don't believe in abortion. Well, the Bible teaches against abortion, but again, a lot of professing Christian churches are becoming so woke and so into the what they call social justice and so into what they call affirmation that they pretty much go against everything we've always taught and believed traditionally. And I don't believe I'm exaggerating very much there at all. So to put a quote from a justice that has been complicit in the murders of perhaps millions of preborn infants. Think about it with me. If, if there is uh, somebody gets murdered with a gun and somebody pulls the trigger and aims the weapon at the victim, kills them, murders them, and they are convicted for first-degree murder, and maybe they get on death row. What if there was a person that bought them the gun, loaded the gun for them, handed the gun to them, showed them who the victim was to be, commanded them to shoot the victim? Wouldn't that person be complicit in that murder? I think you would agree that they would. Like Charlie Manson, for instance. He didn't actually murder Sharon Tate, but he was the one that perpetrated the murder. And so even though Susan Atkins and others were involved in the actual murders, Charlie Manson was given a life sentence for several murders, actually, because he was complicit in those murders. The next night when he tied up the LaBiancas, so Charlie Manson went in with Tex Watson and tied up the LaBiancas and then came back out and told the others to go in and to kill them. Now, now he didn't actually kill them, but he was surely involved. Okay, so back to the abortions. If you use your ability to judge and make it possible for preborn babies to be killed and you never kill one physically on your own, I think you're complicit in making it possible for others to do so. And then the numbers are compounded as they add up. Pardon the redundancy, but that's just one area, the area of abortion or the health rights for women is what they couch it in. Um, never mind the baby's rights, right? But that is one area where Ruth Bader Ginsburg was complicit, not to mention gay marriage or the LGBT agenda and other things that are part of the liberal gamut of wishes and goals. And through her several decades of, or two or three decades of judgment, she was a very liberal judge. Now, I'm going to put that justice's quotes on my church sign? I don't think so, but I shouldn't have been surprised. Okay, 
So now the seat is empty. How's it going to be filled? Well, the uproar has only started. Um, the Democrats are threatening any and everything in order to keep Donald Trump from filling that seat when it's his constitutional duty. It's also said that her dying wish, now this has not been proven, but it seems to be um, corroborated by those at least that are on this, the liberal side, is that her dying wish, Ruth Bader Ginsburg's dying wish, was that she, her, she have her seat, which it's not her seat, it's the people's seat. Her seat filled with a justice by the next president that was installed. She even used that term apparently, installed. You don't install a president. You elect a president and then you inaugurate inaugurate a president. Now, um, that may be semantics. I don't want to argue about it. But the fact that she would say that if she did, which we don't know that she did, but if she said that, it's not her right to uh, demand that. And it's not... Uh, it's not something, it's not incumbent upon those that hear about this dying wish to go by it when we're talking about constitutional duties that a president has. The president has the Senate, and of course, he has the executive office, the Republican Party. Therefore, they should fill the empty seat. And that's not to mention what I talked about in my last podcast pertaining to the potential tie and the determination of who would be the next president of the United States if it came down to a court decision. Okay, so, because that would be a constitutional crisis. But I'm not getting into that in this podcast. I just want to talk about how this is turning into an all-out political war. Um, so Joe Biden has been requested to release his list of possible candidates for uh, a seat in the Supreme Court, which he has refused to do. And it is thought, it's a rumor, that one reason he has refused to do it is because Stacey Abram, who still thinks she won the Georgia election for governor, is at the top of the list. Of course, another woman that is thought to be at the top of the list, if he even has such a list, because there's a question about that, that other woman is thought to be, yep, Michelle Obama. So this is a, a very interesting situation, but I want to read scripture as I usually do, um, that gives us a little bit of a perspective about a particular issue that I may be addressing. And in this case, the filling of a seat uh, that has been left emptied by a death. And in this case, we're going to interject this scriptural concept from the book of Acts. And we're in Acts chapter 1, and I'm reading in verse 20, where it prophesies or it, it reiterates what is prophesied in the book of Psalms, may his camp become desolate and let there be no one to dwell in it. 
and let another take his office. Now, what was that prophecy about in the book of Psalms? So before Judas was ever initially selected, remember Jesus said this. He said, I've chosen 12 of you and one of you is a devil. Wow. So without getting into all the theological considerations of why that would be the case, why Jesus would do that and knowing full well that one of them would, would betray him, uh, because, you know, we could discuss that, but we'd be getting, we digress here. Without getting into all of that, the fact of the matter is he knew one would betray him and that would be Judas Iscariot. And so Judas Iscariot did betray him and then Judas went out and hanged himself, committed suicide. So here we are in the book of Acts after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It says in verse 12, then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying, Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon the zealot, and Judas the son of James. And all these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among the brothers open parentheses, the company of the persons was in all about 120 closed parentheses and said, Peter did, brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David. See, he's referring back to David's prophecy concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus, describing how he betrayed Jesus. For he was numbered among us and was allotted his share in this ministry. So he had a seat. Verse 18. Now this man acquired a field with the reward of his wickedness, you know, the betrayal money, and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle and all his bowels gushed out, describing the suicide of Judas. And it became known to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so the field was called in their own language, Akeldama, that is the field of blood. Whew. Hmm. Think about all those babies that were aborted. All that blood. We could talk about the blood of Abel crying out. We could talk about the blood of the innocent speaking. And that may be some metaphoric language, but God said the life is in the blood. So here we have the field of blood and we have a Supreme Court justice dying who is partially responsible or complicit. I know she didn't make the decision for each woman. I get that. But she made it possible or she was one of the ones that made it possible for this abortion um, crime to continue and to expand. That was her, her judgment, her, her actual, um, not just her sentiment about it, but her, if, she, if she had any judgments to make, and I'm not privy to the actual judgment she made per se, I'm just saying she was one of the ones on the court that was pro-abortion. I guess I can just leave it there. 
For it is written in the book of Psalms, may his camp become desolate and let there be no one to dwell in it and let another take his office. So now we're going to have another take her office. Verse 21. So one of the men who had accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us, one of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. So here are some of the criterion for who would fill Judas's ch chair. And there are criterion for who will fill the chair of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. So that's what the Senate is, you know, the president is supposed to consider all that when he makes a nomination. And then the Senate, or an appointment, and the Senate is supposed to consider it and either vote for or against the nomination. So here we're seeing a similar type of thing. I know this is not the Supreme Court we're talking about, but they were trying to fill this empty seat before they continued in the book of Acts. And they put forward two. So <laughs> President Trump has uh, five on his finalist list, and there's two or three that are being uh, trumpeted about as being the possible picks. Um, one is a Hispanic uh, young lady from South Florida. I think she's Cuban-American. And then the other one is uh, uh, from Indiana, and she seems to be the front runner. But here they had two, Joseph called Barsabbas, who was also called Justice, and Matthias. And this is the way they picked the successor. And they prayed and said, You, Lord, know who know the hearts of all, show which one of these two you have chosen. Which one of these two have you chosen, Lord? So hopefully there's some prayer going into this choice by President Trump. I know there's counsel, um, consideration of how it affects America for the next several decades consideration as to how it affects, you know, I won't lie, I, I believe consideration as to how it may affect the election, whether or not that's the deciding factor is another thing, consideration as to the qualifications of the, the choice. And he's already said he's going to choose a woman to fill a woman's seat. We could talk about that, but let's just not talk about whether it's a male or female. Let's talk about her qualifications, you know, well, both of the, the front runners for filling the seat of Ruth Bader Ginsburg have already been vetted because they've already been appointed in lower courts. They've already been nominated and confirmed in lower courts. So the Senate has already had familiarity with the uh, two or three women that are coming up as the possible choices. So back to what the scriptures say about the replacement of Judas. <laughs> It's so easy to digress here. You, Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which one of these two you, ha you have chosen. So even though men are involved in a method of picking replacements, ultimately we believe there's a sovereign God who endorses at times, sometimes permits, endorses and anoints 
a choice that is made in the godly manner. So let's pray that happens. I believe it will. To take the place in this ministry, I'm reading in verse 25 of chapter 1 of the book of Acts, an apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his place, to his own place. So Judas went somewhere after he died. And of course, everybody does, including Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Um, I did a podcast on rest in peace that is interesting. I think you might want to go listen to that. It's called RIP. Verse 26, and they cast lots for them and the lot fell on Matthias. So their method was kind of an Old Testament method. They, they had just received, well, actually they haven't yet received the baptism of the Holy Spirit because frankly, after they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, um, I don't think they ever used this, what we would consider a chance type of a method of selecting um, people or making decisions going forward. It, it is something they did in the past, trusting that God would guide the chance of the, uh, like if it was today, drawing straws, throwing dice, whatever method people use. I could get into some of the other methods, but they cast lots for them. The lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the 11 apostles. Now, an interesting thing about this is, later on, we know Saul of Tarsus was chosen. So I don't know a lot about Matthias after this, other than this particular choice that was made uh, that was said that he did in the scriptural record. In fact, I don't know of anything other than this particular um, scenario where they filled the seat. So perhaps... Uh, at some point, the seat came back open, or at least God added to the number of apostles, making Paul the 13th, or Paul was really God's choice. There's a lot of discussion here about that, but the fact of the matter is that a choice was made to fill the seat, and then later on, of course, God did choose Saul of Tarsus, who became the apostle Paul, and Wow, was a lot said about him in the rest of the New Testament. Okay, so back to our discussion about the pending uh, nomination or appointment of the successor for Ruth Bader Ginsburg. It's going to happen, and there's going to be a lot over the next 30 to 40 days. There's going to be a lot of uh, upheaval, a lot of bad things can happen. Now they could, in order to choose the successor, they could, they've already vetted these women. They could just have an up and down vote. And according to Lindsey Graham, the votes are there. Even the latest I've heard is Mitt Romney is, is even going to vote um, Murkowski of Alaska and Susan Collins of Maine, I believe, have said that they won't to this point even without those two Republicans. Now, they could just vote present. They don't have to vote against the candidate. So they have the, they have the votes. They have the votes. But it seems like the Democrats, Nancy Pelosi and her ilk, and AOC, who is calling for the radicalizing of the moment, you know, it's like, it's like they're calling for violence. You know, they're calling, 
you, you've got Rob Reiner, who is uh, the meathead on All in the Family, and he's turning out to really be a, a meathead. You've got others that are just calling to, to blow up the system. You hear rumors that if Joe Biden were to be elected, that they would try to do away with the uh, electoral college, that they try to pack the court, they, they try to add the number of justices, make it more numerically, and then pack it with liberal judges, that they would add uh, Puerto Rico and Washington, D.C. as states, giving them possibly two more Democratic uh, majority states, that they would uh, do away with the uh, nuclear option. Um, I don't think I said that right. That they, they, they would they would change the way that they would vote in the in the uh, Senate, where um, everything would be stacked in their favor. So, this is a very critical time, Saints. Choices do have to be made when there isn't a vacancy. There are numbers that have to be completed. In the case of the disciples or apostles, it was 12. In the case of the Supreme Court, it is nine. That's the constitutional uh, number, nine. And there's only eight right now. Listen to my other podcast, or actually it's a video on Facebook on my page about uh, judging the times. It's on my page if you want to go listen to it. It's very informative about what can happen if this seat is not filled, and a little Bible for that. So I hope this has helped you today, and uh, we're praying that God's will will be done and that you'll do your part, call your elected official, pray, vote, do what you're supposed to do, speak up and do it in a godly way, but speak the truth in love. God bless you. Have a great day. Um.